It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul, On Demand Season 3, Episode 7, with the Bellamy Brothers and Gene Watson. Y'all think you'll ever get into the Country Music Hall of Fame? I don't know. Uh, who I, knows? I don't. I don't even guess at the Hall of Fame or any of that. It's. It's. We don't uh, lose a lot of sleep over it. Yeah. It's because <laughs> I wouldn't want any more work than we've got. I think do, we need to so. get Gene. And, <laughs> hey, I, I always tell people, hey, I, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it either. But you know. If they're going to put me in there, I hope they do it while I'm alive. And yeah, I don't care. You know? Yeah, because there maybe yeah. there's a few fringe benefits yeah. to doing that. Right. I tell you, having these three country music icons in studio talking about their upcoming project, the song that the Bellamy Brothers are rehashing, but with Gene Wilson in on it this time. We had a lot of good times, great stories, even got into some Elvis stories. Wait till you hear what they have to say. Their Elvis story is crazy. Thank you for listening uh, to Taste of Country Nights on Demand. If you want to go back and listen to some of our favorite interviews, we got Kenny Chesney up there, Toby Keith, Lady A, Walker Hayes, Shenandoah, Dolly Parton, all your favorite country music superstars. They all stop by here. Taste of Country Nights on Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Taste of Country, Evan Paul hanging out here with Gene Watson and the Bellamy Brothers. Now, tell everybody why you guys are together right now. Well, we got a new duet. We just love each other. (laughs) Everybody's got to hang somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Now, we got a new duets project we we did together, and uh, we think it sounds pretty good. We'll see what everybody else thinks about it. So um, that's that's what we've been out promoting today. Yeah. Now, what made you guys decide to go with Forever Ain't Long Enough? Like, uh, it's kind of like a deep album cut to re-record, and Mm -hmm. and what made you decide to get Gene on it? We, well, we talked about cutting something with Gene, and you know, we wanted to do it for a while now, and and we just thought we and looked back in the catalog and at everything, and we thought that song would work real well, you know. So well, it, this song we've always thought was a great country song that uh, we never could get our label to release on us years back. In the original version, we actually had the Jordanaires singing background on this. Yeah, the very first version we did. And, yeah, and we were just saying, hey, we're gonna get a real country song release, but they never would do it for some reason or other. So, you know, we've had our own label for since 91 or two. So we kind of at the point where we do what we damn please now. So we decided <laughs> to get Gene to sing with us and, and make it a bona fide country record. How'd you get the call, Gene? We're like, when did you find out about it? Actually, uh, a boy that plays in their band, plays bass, got in touch with me. We'd been longtime friends too. And and of course we worked shows together for a long time, long and and Randy Hall actually texted me and said that uh, asked me would I be interested in doing a song with with uh, Howard and David, and I said absolutely, you know. And so it it took off right there. Then I talked to David, and and uh, we finally got together and they sent me the tracks and everything. We started working it together and then went on to the video, and uh, I. I just felt extremely flattered. I've, I've always admired what they what they do, and they're so good at it. And I thought, well, for me, being a straight-ahead traditional country singer, uh, to blend in with that, who knows? It could be, you know, real good for both of us. And actually, I think it turned out that way. It did. I agree. I agree. Now, according to Wikipedia, a young Vince Gill sang background vocals on the original album. Yeah, Vince did some harmonies for us. Um uh, uh, not on not on that not song. On no, but on the album. On the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Patty Loveless, Vince Gill, yeah. they were all our backup singers. Yeah. 
What's that like? Like, do you ever give Vince a little rib? rib, Well, we knew Vince from, uh, you know, his label. We we did a, we were doing a European tour and we were doing Wembley that year, I believe. This is going way back. Vince was really young. But he he had hung with us over there. We hung in Soho one night together all night and listened to him tell jokes. And uh, so we had known him for a long time, you know, like, you know, all of us. Vince had been in town a long time. And, and he so, sung, hard, uh, he sung uh, on the, as a background singer for, on a lot of people's records. Yeah, a whole lot. Okay. That was, yeah, that was his gig. Yeah. yeah. So it, it wasn't uncommon to have that. And if you wanted that high, beautiful uh, note up there that everybody would recognize, it's, uh, you'd call Vince. And so uh, that's how that happened. And, and Emery Gordy, Patty's husband, was producing that, yeah, he project, produced that project, and he was a good friend of Vince's, and so and, and Nicolette goes. Larson also Nicolette sang Larson, back up who, for us for a couple yeah. times. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she, yeah, she passed away. She had some weird uh, aneurysm. Or I worked something. some shows with her, and I never did know what. Oh, happened. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Passed, yeah. yeah she sang uh, her and Patty and Vince, and yeah. Um, we recently did a video of uh, the most underappreciated classic artists. Uh, you guys came in like number three. Um, do you think you contributed? Do you think you've contributed enough to be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Uh, who I, knows? I don't. I don't even guess at the Hall of Fame or any of that. It's. It's. We don't uh, lose a lot of sleep over it. Yeah. It's because I wouldn't want any more work than we've got. To I think do, we need to so. get Gene. In there. <laughs> hey, I, I always tell people, hey, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either. But you know. If they're going to put me in there, I hope they do it while I'm alive. And that's it. I don't care. You know? Yeah, because there maybe yeah. there's a few fringe benefits yeah. to doing yeah. that. Right. Uh, and you could, you could uh, you know, take advantage of them while you're still alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gene, speaking of the Hall of Fame, I want to play something that uh, Joe Nichols said to me about you. Gene Watson was a big influence during time. I don't know if he's not a member of the Hall of Fame, but I think he should be because he was a singer out of Texas in that era of country where it was easy to be just a part of an act. Gene is a, is a hall of famer. I think he had a lot of hits, a ton of hits. And I think only one or two number ones, but I think his influence is pretty big. So I'm, I've always been a big Gene Watson fan. His, his voice is tremendous and member of the grand old Opry. So it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I mean, you have other country artists rooting for you. How do you feel about that? Well, well from someone like Joe, I'm, I'm, I really feel good about it. I've known Joe for quite a while, and, and uh, he's one of my favorite singers, too. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, sort of like David Howard said, you know, I, I don't really pay a lot of attention to things like the Hall of Fame. It was a real, real upper when Vince Gill asked me to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, that's the pinnacle of country music, and I was blown away with that. Uh, for the Bellamy's, um Interesting note, you guys have been nominated like 29 times for ACMs and CMAs and never won one. Do you guys hold like a grudge against the organizations or what? (laughs) No. Well, I think they might hold a grudge against those. I I don't know. I I think, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think we've always been a part of country music, but we've never been, you know, kind of – in the click. In, yeah, in the click. <laughs> Got it. There is a click. We, yeah. we I, I think, you know, we live in Florida. We're kind of, uh, you know, we're kind of somewhat outcast, even though 
with the, with the artists themselves, we've always had a great yeah. I mean, we've got, which we've, means more than any organization. We've got well. lots of friends here and a lot of friends in the industry, but you know, we just never have been, I think, available, accessible all the time. We worked inter- we worked internationally a lot in our career, and we get a call. I tell you, uh, Howard and I one time got a call to be on the Johnny Carson show, and they wanted us on there that night. Okay, because Let Your Love Flow was the number one BMI. They thought we were in L.A. Yeah, they thought we were. But we, we, <laughs> we were, were in Norway. Norway. <laughs> and, we, and we both had the flu, and there were no flights out. And so, what you know, so. So we've missed a lot of good we opportunities. We missed okay. several things by not being able to be there. You know? I Do think you, the Bellamy's are a lot like I was in that respect. See, I'm out of Texas, and, and I never moved to Nashville. And, and, and so I wasn't a part of what was going on here every day, day by day, day by day. Right. And, and so I guess it hurt me in a lot of ways, you know, but there again, when I'd come up here, I would kind of bring, you know, Texas and Gene Watson with me, and, and that's where it's always been. Do you guys, like, ever regret not being a part of the Nashville scene? No. no. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not at all, no. <laughs> no. Even though, we, you know, we've for, for years we've been uh, involved. We're here every week for uh, – the you know, yes. first time I came up to Nashville, I rode a train from Tampa, Florida. And uh, Ronnie Millsett was playing at the King of the Road ho- hotel that Roger Miller had. I remember. He's playing up top of on that. The, on the yeah. roof, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been coming here a long time. So it's not like we aren't a part of it. But we aren't. We don't live here. We, we, don't, we don't come to all the meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. <laughs> it's like me. I mean, to me, this is the only place that I ever want to record. I think this is the place to come to if you want to record country music. And so I always did. So like, you know, David Howard, I mean, I was up and back, up and back, up and back. But I just never did have a fixed address here. Uh, I always recorded here after I got my first major recording contract. And and so even though I wasn't a part of the Nashville clique, uh, I didn't want to be. Did y'all ever get to kick it with Elvis? Uh, no, we never, we actually never met Elvis. Got an Elvis story though. Let's hear it. Yeah. Well, the, I, I don't tell the story a lot cause it sounds like a lie, but we, but we did put it in our book. So, so I guess we, it's but, out, it's out there. You know, Howard and I had been in, in Europe for six, we did 60 shows in a row in Germany and, uh, came home, t- took our guitar sh- to the, our, our guitar maker there. He Animals. was, we were living in LA. At he the was time. fixing our guitars up. Walked in, heard that Elvis had died, and so like everybody else was, oh man, you know this is crazy. Go home, you know, watching on TV. Everybody get a call the next day from his producer, and uh, he who found our, our number through our agency. He called and he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, I hate to tell you this, but he said Elvis was recording your song. He was in the process of doing that when he went out, and we said we we never we don't we never had the vocals done, but he said he he loved that song, and I and I'm sitting there going, and now I'm sick in my stomach, and um, so he was cutting this song that I had written called Miss Misunderstood, which was kind of a '50s. It's an old. It's on our old album as yeah. well. Same and uh, and he said, but uh, I'm gonna. Uh, um, what's his producer? Uh, Felton Felton, Felton Jar- Jarvis. Jarvis. He said, but I'm going to cut it on Carl Perkins. He said, Carl's going to, going to take the track and cut it, which well, I was so thrilled because I actually, next year at the ACMs, I got to meet Carl and thank him and talk to him about it, but it's great. But, but 
you know, just within a few days of him passing away and then him calling me and say, well, I had a cut on Elvis, but he's gone. Oh, man. <laughs> so We've always been that close to everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the song, if you dig through your guys' catalog, like there's some fun songs in there. Obviously, you know that. Uh, you guys took some chances to get into reggae, cowboy, country rap. Like you guys were ahead of the game. Well, Do you think like um, the response would be the same if that was put out now than it was in the 80s? Uh, you know, people have actually said, oh, Bellamy started country rap and country music. I, I was making fun of it. <laughs> I, I don't like rap. <laughs> we were, that song was a joke. It, that's really what it was. Wow. We did it as a joke because, I mean, I think rap. That was also. Most rap Henry is Gordy pretty crap. That, you know, country I mean. rap, yeah. <laughs> so you guys did it like as a joke? Like, yeah. Let's make fun. And, and did you play Because rap was coming out and we were going, oh, yeah, this will last for 10 minutes. You know? <laughs> and let's, so I, I was like, hey, Billy's talking about turning. Because, you know, there were, great. there were country guys doing what they used to call talking blues. You, I'm sure you remember. That was Way years before rap, there's this not it's not a new genre really. Yeah, but well, yeah, Gene, that was really a joke. Gene said did. earlier we have been out on the edge before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and like old hippie, it was a number one. Uh, maybe like your career song, would you guys say? Yeah, old hippie was good for us. Um, real edgy song too. You know? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, like yeah. people will be afraid to write and record it today? Well. You know, in, in many ways, things have progressed. In many ways, things have regressed. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But uh, Old Hippie old hippie was very good to us. We, we actually have a, uh, a medical marijuana deal because of that song in the state <laughs> of Florida with, uh, with this big dispensary called True Leave that uh, they, they carry a product, the Old Hippie Stash, and have had for, well, since COVID now. That started during the COVID thing. So... That song has, uh, yeah, it opened a lot of doors uh, in a lot of ways, you know, to a, to another group of, there's there's a lot of hippies. People don't realize it. Yeah. And there's a lot of wannabe hippies. Yeah. yeah. Closet hippies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the immediate response to that song in the day that it was put out? It was really good. In fact, I was surprised. I, I wasn't going to cut the song. I just I had played it for Howard, and he said, oh, I love that. He said, we had, we had to do that. So then... We took it. We were took we were, it to Jimmy Bowen. We were cutting with Jimmy Bowen at the time. I thought, and he was a closet hippie. We didn't know it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We used to bring Bowen weed to mellow him out before a meeting. <laughs> then he wouldn't lie to you because he could lie yeah, otherwise. Oh, why, why do you think there was a lot of closet hippies in country? There still is to this well, day because it was illegal. Okay. Yeah. 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 Closet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know things are out in the open more yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. And people yeah. realize that we're not crazy. And, and what was that old? What was that old movie? The uh, the original hippie movie. Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. They, they they realized you know that uh, obviously wasn't true. That yeah, that stuff wouldn't happen to you. But you know, throughout your career, I mean, I think there's times that you have to kind of step out on the edge. You don't take a chance. Like Love in the Hot Afternoon. Was the song got me my first major recording contract? We recorded that in 1974. Now you think I wasn't getting close? To oh edge, yeah, singing I'll about bet. damp sure. tangle sheets. Sure. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, that was edgy. I mean, yeah. And the song had been recorded like seven times before that, and they had all altered the lyrics and changed it. And the, the song didn't do nothing. And so I decided, well, I'm gonna sing it just like it was written. Yeah. Vince Matthews, Kent Westbury wrote that. And that's I, that's a great song. I, I let it go, and, and you know. I, 
I didn't hear but one radio station that didn't play the song. And it yeah. turned out to be number four for the entire year, yeah. 1975. Wow. Hey, living dangerously. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but people could relate to it. Yeah. But, but like Howard was talking about a while ago, so, uh, sometime in that era, sometimes you could you could get away with or ex- uh, have deeper lyrics than you can now even, you know. Like yeah. now things are more suppressed in other in other areas, but, you know, because – you know, you couldn't have lyrics uh, weren't as rehashed as they are. Mel Tillis had, you know, you got I had the horse and you got the saddle and all that. And uh, uh, Tipper Gore came out and was tra- was on his butt and, and ours because because yeah. we did Beautiful Body. And <laughs> yeah. they, was, they were trying to ban yeah, they, lyrics they, like that back then. They were actually yeah. mentioned on Meet the Press because of that. Because I want to talk yeah. about that song. So that if that song was put out today. Do you think it would be like, oh my God, this is you cancel them right away? Probably, probably. (laughs) You cancel everything else. Yeah. Well, like song I had, you know, where love begins. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Seely called me that. Jenny Seely called me that day and said, you know, I was playing that song on my show, and she said, I just figured out what that song (laughs) (laughs) means. Glad it took a while. Uh, Otherwise, it took. Canceled. I can't do this. I just realized what it means. Um, on your song, Gene, 14 Carat uh, Mind, you almost didn't record that, right? It was like the last thing in a box of demos on a reel-to-reel? Yeah, it was the last song I was going to record on an album. And and really, I probably had enough to, to put on the album, but I really needed a blockbuster. And I listened literally to songs till I, my ear was falling off. And that was down at the bottom of the box. It's during the cassette days, and when I got to it, it was on a seven-and-a-half-inch reel. <laughs> and I had to drag out the old recorder and thread it up and all that. But the minute I clicked it on, Dallas Frazier was doing the demo on it. Oh, wow. He wrote it, of course, Dallas Frazier. I knew I'd found my song. And we went in, and Pig Robinson and me, we oh, hammered out a oh, number wow. one. Did you ever think, like, you could have changed the course of your whole career had you not hooked up the reel-to-reel machine that day? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because I knew that was a song that, that everybody would listen to. It's just got a groove, and whether you're country or not, it's got a beat, it's got a groove that, that people just listen to. If you had to choose a country star today to re-record that, who would you pick? Oh, uh, I you know, I'd hate to, I'd hate to pick anyone. <laughs> I don't know half of them that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Give well, me some I, names. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm being straight ahead. I, I mean, I don't. I have no idea. Um, all right. I want to uh, get a Toby Keith memory from each of you guys. Yeah. Well, I guess the first time I remember meeting Toby was some, some award show. And he, he, what he came up, oddly enough, immediately started singing Beautiful Body to us. You know, and I believe he sang the whole song. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I remember. That's the same thing I was going to really? say. Really? Yeah. yeah. We, we were actually getting out of a limo. It was up at uh, uh, it was up in uh, uh, Universal where they used to yes, have the awards right. show in, in in Hollywood, and we were that's actually right. climbing out of the back and and I and we had never met. And I heard somebody go, "Hey, Bellamy," you know, like that. Started yelling at us, and, and he and he went into beautiful body right there in the parking lot. Love Toby. He was you know, what a, what a shame. Yeah, what a shame. Boy, talk about somebody done it their way. Yeah. yeah, it was so great. I worked one show with him, and it was it was an outside thing, and uh, I, I didn't figure I'd ever get to meet him, you know. But he was out, and uh, he waved, 
and, and sent one of his guys over and asked would I like to play around. And he was going to hit some golf balls. And, and of course, I I couldn't hit a golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> you just faked it, didn't you, that's, that's as close as I ever got to, to knowing him. But uh, I admired everything. You know, he was just – he was one of those kind of guys that, look, I tried your way and it didn't work. Yeah. Now I'm going to do it my way. He was Toby. And it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he once told me that he got to a point in his career where he would make a record and be like to the label, here's your four singles, work them. And then if they tried to argue, he'd be like, don't make yourself look like a fool. And yeah. it, was, no one else could do that. And I appreciate him so much for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, thank you guys for coming by. I think it's a really cool project that you guys got well, together well, thanks, to man. do. I appreciate, appreciate you guys stopping by. Thank you. Good talking to you. Appreciate yes, sir. All right, let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this interesting interview because it's always interesting when you have a group and then another person on the side that's per se not part of the group, but they're in a project together. It's hard to interview everybody. And it's interesting, too, because we weren't 100% certain if Gene Watson was coming in with the Bellamy Brothers or if it was just the Bellamy Brothers. So we kind of had to prepare the interview two different ways. And obviously, we wanted to have a set of questions for both. We didn't want to just focus on the Bellamy Brothers career. Yeah, and then you have to pepper them because it's like you don't want Gene to fall asleep uh, while you're asking all Bellamy's, you know, and then you or vice versa, you know, so you have to like go... Bellamy's Gene, Bellamy's Gene. Right. right. You know. Um, and Gene did a nice job, I thought, of working himself into the conversation. Yeah. You know, he was game for it. Like, he kind of brought it back to himself a little bit, and I thought that took a little bit of the pressure off of you to get back to him, even though you had some good questions for him. Yeah. So you would know this better than anyone. Who is Who was the bigger star in the studio? I think in country music, Gene Watson might have a little bit more sort of country cred, but internationally and nationally, the Bellamy Brothers. That would be my guess. Interesting. Because like they talked about their international touring, and they had, they had like crossover hits, songs that were like top 10 on the big all-genre chart. Um, Let, Let Your Love Flow comes to mind is certainly one of those. So I think probably for that reason, the Bellamy. Do you think that the Bellamy's, did they pioneer kind of country going on these world tours that like Kip Moore and all those guys do now? I don't know necessarily if that's the case. Um, It's possible that it was more frequent back then. Uh, I, I know a lot of like blues artists worked the international market a lot harder than country music did. And maybe we've kind of gotten away from that. Um, I couldn't really speak to that. That's a good question, though. Because country music is really American. You yes, know, like right. other music can can live, I feel, easy easier in other countries. But, you know, you really have to understand the lifestyle. You know, like if you're in China, you got to understand what John Deere Green is, you know. Well, I think, too, when you listen to like some of those classic artists, Gene Watson, Bellamy Brothers, 70, 60s, 70s, 80s artists, you hear a much more diverse sound, even from within an artist's own catalog. So I think that would allow them to appeal to a larger audience base. Whereas now, Luke Bryan songs, you know what a Luke Bryan song sounds like. He's not going to surprise you with something that's too different. For right, right. And that either works in Europe or it doesn't work in Europe. It's it, it's simple. It's as simple as that. Interesting. Did um, All right, so afterwards, uh, Addison, who uh, was running a video for us as well on this interview, uh, she and I were talking about it. And. Uh, you and I had said that the interview was 
a little slow to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but she didn't hear that at all. She thought everything was fine, and she didn't hear. Do you think we were projecting <laughs> that, or do you think our experience? Because I thought eventually, about this, right when you started asking them about country rap, the country rap song, from then on, I thought it actually ended up being a really interesting interview. But before then, it was the answers were short. It was, it was a feeling out period. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have thought until you mentioned that, and then I thought back, and I was like, yeah, it kind of was, because it, yeah, yeah, you can always kind of tell, you know, how it's going to go in the beginning, but they threw a curveball, because I think artists like that, when they come in and they see me in the setup, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like they're like, what are we doing here? Well, the other thing is, and this is a little behind the curtains, they'll go across the hall and do an interview with a morning radio sh- show, yeah. and it's very jovial and friendly and conversational. We tend to go a little bit deeper because we have a website to attend to as well. And then they sit down with you, and you look like kind of a fun guy, and you start <laughs> with maybe some heaters at them. That is a little bit of whiplash, I think. <laughs> yeah. for, I, I see that from time to time when artists are across the hall. Uh, Colby Callier was another artist okay. who came when she sat down and then you started asking some questions. She's like, wow, you got all the questions. Uh, really? And, okay. I, and I thought the questions were fine. It's just, it wasn't what she was expecting. Necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, listen, a lot of the, most of the questions come from Billy Duke. So <laughs> the, the funny thing about. I'm going to make you nervous now. Huh? Well, the funny thing about our situation is that. It's hard to explain, but the way you write questions probably doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like I'm going to ask that question to be fair. Like, like, uh, I don't really know if this probably doesn't translate. So I don't know. Well, I think the one question like you threw a a heater at him with the 0 for 29 um, and the nominations. Yeah. And I thought that when you said that, I was like, "Ooh, I hope they're cool with this. I hope hope this doesn't. Well, when I said that, I was like, I I was like, I have to come back around fast and be like, are y'all pissed at him? Like, instead of the tone of, man, the CMAs and the ACMs, that's what country is built on. And y'all been nominated 29 times and never won. Instead of doing it that way, I wanted to come back around and be like... You know, what do you think about these people that aren't voting for, you know, and I, I think that they accepted that more. I was really shocked by their country rap answer. Yes. Yeah. You know, 100%. And, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, from what he said and how, how openly candid they were about their hatred towards rap music yes. it was like, geez. Well, I mean, that was interesting when we did some research on that song, but I think unless you were kind of living in that moment, this is 1986-87, and paying attention to interviews with them, and um, there's not as much sort of recorded media from that era to kind of go back to and research to find out what they truly felt of it, because they are, he's right. I mean, if you look that song up, it's it's listed as like the pioneering song for this marriage of country and rap. You would have thought they did that with the intention of being given, especially given that they're kind of an all genre band. Yeah, definitely not the case. Like, <laughs> do you know another band that had success? Another group that had success like that, non country, in the eighties and nineties? I've heard of like um, these kind of incidents where. Um, well, I can think of it a, a, a tangent example, but who are you thinking of? Beastie Boys, yeah, Brass Monkey. What they, and the basic aura of the Beastie Boys in general was they're just a couple Jewish kids from New York. They were like kind of making fun of and 
showing how like rap is, you know, and then Brass Monkey ended up being like their biggest song ever. And they built like a career out of that. Merle Haggard's Okie from Muskogee, um, people think is like this anthem for like Oklahoma or like the values of that day. And he wrote it tongue in cheek. Like he was writing a satire of it all. Wow. And it ended up becoming the exact opposite. And then in like, I think even like in later years, it kind of sounds like he kind of leaned into what fans, how fans have kind yeah. of interpreted it because it talks about like it disparages like pot smoking. Well, more Haggard wasn't yeah. adverse to taking a puff here. Right. There, you, know? <laughs> you know what this also reminds me of uh, nowadays current is uh, I think it's George Burge, uh, Beer Beer, or who did Beer Beer Truck Truck? Beer Beer Truck Truck, right. Yep, that, that was George Burge. Yeah, he was like making fun of it, and then it kind of like got into like a huge song for yeah, him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Song, we have a list, I think, of songs that make fun of country music. Yeah, I've seen that at tasteofcountry.com. Yeah. So some of them are, are obvious. You know the stories behind them. But I think as time passed, like country rap, 30, 40 years, you lose the what that song was supposed to be. So, you know, David and Howard's story about how that was supposed to be. I, I enjoyed going through the catalog with them a little bit. Yeah, I thought that, that was, was cool. I don't know if they were anticipating that, but I feel like to a certain degree, that's the kind of interview that needs to be out there with. Like an interview that talks about what they're doing now, but also sort of revisits these. Is there not, there's not a, a Bellamy Brother Museum on Nashville. Like they said, they're kind of Nashville outsiders. They've always sort of embraced yeah. that. And I think you, maybe you lose legacy points that way. So if someone listens and they're like, wow, Bellamy Brothers, they had all these hits. Maybe they should be in the Hall of Fame. And they kind of go down that track. I think I think that that, that, that was fun. I hope we did them a service in that. Regard. Yeah, and get it, getting that Elvis story out. I know he said they wrote it, they wrote it in some book that they wrote, but yeah. getting that out to the masses to me is cool. Like I, I think that's really cool. That was a good question. I mean, that was just a throwaway question, too. Yeah, like, I didn't yeah, even remember that Elvis. I was like, where did that come from? And yeah. then, boom, we had a story. Well, like, so the way that that – I didn't have that written down on my paper. Right. And I was literally doing the math in my head while one of them was talking. I was like – are they, first of all, the first math was, are these guys old enough to be around during Elvis? So I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. Like, you know, I don't want to be like, did you yes. know Jesus? Right. You right. know, <laughs> right, right. So I, I ride a horse to school. Right, right. right, right. So I remember <laughs> in my research, I saw that one of them was born in 1945. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Elvis died in like whatever, 60s, 70s. So they had to have been like in their 30s. And then I was like, I'm going to ask it. So uh, that's what brought me the Elvis thing. And, I didn't think there would be any anything, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't offending him, but you know, by being like, "You owe Jesus a quarter," you know, like that. <laughs> uh, "Old Hippie" was another song they talked about, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but it talks about Vietnam from the perspective of like a Vietnam soldier. And just uh, my father-in-law loves that song because he's a Vietnam vet, and he hears himself in that song, and he does not like country music, but. Like I think that's how the Bellamy Brothers in particular like touched a lot of people outside of country music in sort of an individual way. Um, but I think we're not maybe not giving enough credit to how Gene Watson did the same. I just wasn't as familiar with it. Didn't have those personal anecdotes like I did with the Bellamy's. Yeah, um, and I thought it was cool. It was like a time machine talking to the Bellamy's. Like, you know, they were talking, throwing the word hippie around like I've ever used that in my life. You know, they were like, and there still are some hippies out there now. Hip, and I'm, I'm trying to think like. They were saying pot smoke. Yeah, it took yeah. me a minute. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, how would my grandfather refer to someone as a stoner? And then I was like, 
okay, a hippie. Right. Yeah. But they're still in that era in their mind, which is great. I bet you those guys would be fun to oh, fun yeah. to just like off mic talk. They got some stories. Oh, they got their own yeah. line of what, medical marijuana on their yeah. body. I'm like, it's probably just a. There's probably, yeah, back in those days, it was probably an S show, just all day, no media, no social media. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, anything probably went. Yeah, two good artists. So I'm glad we accepted that interview. That was fun. And it yeah, was a that chance was to good. really, I think, learn more about maybe some classic artists that both of us, I think, weren't necessarily encyclopedias. Of. Yeah, I mean, we basically had 240 years of knowledge sitting in front of us. That's good. You're doing that thing like the auto mechanic does. We have 120 years experience. Your mechanic only has one of those years. But that old lady behind the deck, she's she's been the receptionist for 65 years. Add those together. We've been in business doing great things this long. Yeah. Yeah, Yes or no? I I mean, there's a lot of experience in life there. (laughs) Hopefully they come back.